0: Do you guys hear the sound machine behind me? Do you hear like a
1: A little bit, yeah. I was wondering what that was. I I was like.
0: I'm in an airplane, just kidding. I can't.
2: Wow, that's a pretty spacious airplane, gosh.
1: (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Working Out Salvation, where we work out our salvation with fear and troubling because it is, in fact, God who works in us. I am here with my co-hosts, Noah and Abby. Say hey, guys.
2: Hey, guys. Hello.
1: I'm Connor. Um, So today, we're going to talk about... Before we get into it, let's
2: address the fact that we've already rebranded We are not even four episodes in, and we've changed the whole plan of this, so most people wait until after they get famous to do this, but we did it before in preparation for becoming famous, so for those of you that were here for Garage Conversations, thank you to our loyal listeners, and we apologize if that's what you're expecting, but you know, sometimes the Lord changes, and sometimes we got to change with the Lord, so here we go.
1: Hopefully nobody changes. That doesn't work. Hopefully nobody made any t-shirts or anything
2: okay have to... if so we're sorry we're really yeah. sorry for the lost revenue. that's that's on us
1: <laughs> uh, so today we want to talk about uh continue our conversation on uh, christian faith and mental health and we want to read and sort of dig into a bit um it's in a number of the the gospels but we want to look at luke 8 verses 26 through 39 uh that's the story of um the demoniac and so i'll just give a quick rundown on it so luke chapter 8 uh jesus is crossing the sea of galilee with his disciples and he's sleeping and there's the storm and they're like we're drowning and he wakes wakes up and he says what are you doing where's your faith i got this calms the storm and you know this of course is a good context because if you read the psalms who's the one who can calm the wind and the waves god and so of course the natural question is who is this guy and that's where we're coming off of as we approach the other shore um, to the country of the garrisones which is opposite of galilee and they get the, they reach the shore and there's a uh Man that meets them who's living among the tombs. He's naked. He's broken chains. He's running around and living among the tombs, um, and he's demon possessed. And Jesus approaches him, and he approaches Jesus. He recognizes who he is right away. He says, "What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me, um, because Jesus had commanded the spirit to come out of him." So Jesus asked him, "What's his name?" And they said, "We're legion, because there's many of them, right?" And, and then this is where Jesus casts the demons out into the pigs on the hillside, which then run down into the lake and drown themselves. Um, kind of a crazy story a bit. But then right after that, a uh, um, number of people who were herding the pigs saw what happened. They fled to the city um, and told everybody and everybody was afraid. Um, but then when they come to find the man, you know, this description is really telling, they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So we see that um, he's sitting at Jesus' feet, you know, which is what you would do with a rabbi. You would learn from him as one of his disciples. And um, then Jesus goes to leave him. And I think this is a really interesting um, uh, end to this this uh, passage where Uh, He comes and begs Jesus that he would stay with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So that's our passage we want to talk about today in a nutshell. Um, And we particularly want to look at the connections between what it means to follow Jesus and um, the struggles with mental health. Go ahead, Noah. Excellent.
2: I feel like I just got called on to read the Bible or pray at the end of youth group right there. I just got <laughs> called out. So I really enjoy this story because it's, it's, it's kind of a picture-perfect ref, uh, reference for what God can do for you when you ask for help. So, uh, and I especially like that the, the story before is Jesus calling me a storm. So Jesus calling the storm. Um, Before he calms the storm, though, the disciples are just freaking out. They're like, everything's just going crazy. They think they're going to die. I mean, I'm not a big boat guy. I'm not a big water guy. But I can definitely imagine being out on the water in a huge storm and just not kind of being cool with it, right? It's kind of like airplane turbulence. Uh, No such thing as an atheist when there's an airplane experiencing turbulence, right? So you hear this story of Jesus calming the storm, and it shows you what the Lord can do for you when you ask for the help. The disciples knew that they needed help. They knew that they could not calm the storm. And so they were willing to step out of their comfort zone, maybe, and ask the Lord for help, ask Jesus to help them, and ask him to calm the storm for them. And then you go to the story of the demoniac. You are the story of a man that is not in his right mind. He is possessed by so many demons and has so much of this demonic power that he can break chains and break rocks and do all these crazy superhuman things. But he understands that that's not what he should be doing. He, he is coherent enough to understand that he needs the lord and when he sees the power of jesus he just runs right up to jesus runs right up to him asks him for healing and the demons understand that they're going to lose uh, they never asked to let them stay in the man because they understood that they're going to lose this battle so um i, I kind of liken that to when you're a kid and your mom told you like take the trash out and you're like uh i don't want to but you're still going to do it anyways like the demons knew that they were going to be taken out the demons knew that they were going to be They were The trash was going to be taken out, but they they didn't want to do it. Um, And then they went into the pigs, which for a while, I was like, that's stupid. Why would they do that? They just killed a bunch of pigs. But it's actually a good representation of showing that the demons actually existed, showing that there was actually demonic power uh, inside of this man because the pig just ran off a cliff, something they probably wouldn't do. I'm not a farmer. Don't quote me on this, but I've never seen pigs run off a cliff. So um, it's just a really wonderful story. But even just going back to like the asking for help, the, the demon possessed man knew that there was something wrong. He knew that he needed help and he knew that he couldn't do this on his own. So he asked the Lord for help. And that's one of the things that as a culture, we're kind of struggling with now. We have this whole need for independence. We have this whole need for doing things our own way. And we get lost in the fact that we need to ask for help and that we should ask for help and that it's okay to ask for help. So I think this is a really powerful witness to the fact that the Lord will be there. He will answer your prayer it may not be as instantly, as instantaneously as the story of the demoniac. He may not heal your struggles like that, but the Lord will hear you, and the Lord will love you, and the Lord will answer your prayer. The Lord will heal you with time. You just have to trust him, and you have to ask for it.
0: Yeah, that's really um, important to, like, remember that you can, you can always present, you know, we can always present our needs to the Lord, and always, approach him knowing that he listens you know and he's he he sees what we're suffering with what we're struggling with this even the sins that we are battling too and he sees the whole picture and he like had so much compassion
2: on on this man who
0: didn't you know who couldn't like even stay in a home or have
2: he's ostracized
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine how much suffering he was going through. I think when I actually, like, kind of by accident, like, stumbled on the same story, but in the book of Mark, like, the parallel, you know, in the book of Mark uh, a few weeks ago, and when I was reading the notes in my study Bible about it, um, it really stood out to me that I think in Mark it says that there were, like, 2,000 hogs, you know, that like then ran into, um, into the water. Um, and that was part of why people were like telling Jesus to leave is because they, I mean, they just lost a lot of money. I think it says in my study Bible that that amount of swine could have easily have been worth a quarter of a million dollars in today's economy. So like, whoa. Okay. And so if you think about what the demons destroyed by sending all those hogs right into the water and killing them think how much if that was their value was like up to a quarter of a million dollars easily then think how much value then this not like you can put monetary value on a person you can't but like the his life was worth so much more than that and like jesus redeemed his life and gave him peace and Great right relationship with him and he valued he valued him so
2: much and like,
0: that like hit me like whoa his life is you know that individual life is important
2: his life is worth at least 250,001 dollars at least
1: says the more. economist
2: could be more says the economist it's at least 250,001
0: dollars yeah. seriously yeah like it makes you think about like wow like jesus he, you know like he gave his own life mm-hmm. to heal us like that's yeah. the value he put on us
2: yeah okay. and to- i had never even thought about that but it's such a powerful witness of like god loves you more than he'll have, than you should ever love money that you are more important to the lord than your way of life is to yourself The lord loves you mm-hmm. more than you love your job the lord loves you more than you love your family you're, you're more important to him than a herd of pigs that's going to feed your family for the rest of your life he loves you more than that they know that sometimes when humans struggle with idolatry, we really just love, uh, we, we lay up treasures upon the earth. We love all these things that are earthly things. But no matter how much we love these idols, the Lord will always love you more. And the Lord will always value you more than you value those idols. Even when you don't value him, he will still value you.
1: Hmm. That's really good. And he calls us, I think, then to embody that towards others, right? Like the, the exact way that Jesus would look at the, would come face to face with this demoniac, right? Like he was, he was impure. He was seen as impure, so he went to live among things that are impure, dead bodies. And yet, Jesus is the one who approached him in his impurity, because Jesus is the pure and holy one. And so, the things that Jesus makes holy are holy. And I think that's really helpful to remember when we approach people who are struggling with mental health issues. That um, you know, it we can all sort of have the temptation to say, like, "Well, just get a hold of yourself," like. You know, just just do it and um, not recognize that what's needed is, like you said, Noah, like we need that help, that outside source that comes in and says, I'm present with you. I, I'm, I'm looking at Catherine Green McCrate's book here and she talks, she, she brings up this um, story and she talks about it from Mark chapter five, which is what you were referencing, Abby. And she, she says, impurity dwelling among the impure is cast into the impure and then herded into the chaos. So this impure man, dwelling among impure dead people, cast into impure pigs, herded into chaos. Like, all of these things, which are like the antithesis of life, Jesus is able to enter into and bring life to. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) That's insane. so when it, when it comes to, like, um, seeing the demoniac, the, the, the demon-possessed man, as one who um, uh, suffers from mental illness, what do you think um, Jesus coming to him or him coming to Jesus has to say to somebody with mental illness?
2: It really says that the Lord will meet you where you're at. The Lord will never consider himself too holy to come and be with you. I, spe- I mean, that, that, that whole talk about the impure and the pure being with the impure. I think sometimes when we're struggling with life in general, we're having like a breakdown, or we're feeling really mentally stressed, we might feel less than, we might feel like there's no way that we can be in the presence of the Lord, because we're just not a good Christian at that moment. We just don't love the Lord with our whole being at that point, and we, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't meet the Lord. We shouldn't go find the Lord, but you don't need to go find the Lord. The Lord's going to find you. The Lord is going to meet you where you're at. The Lord will always come to where you are, He is not too big to come and love you face to face. And the Lord will always answer your prayer. And the Lord will always come to you and be with you in your struggle. He will never abandon that struggle. And he's always willing to come and struggle with you. He's always willing to sympathize, to feel that same pain as you. The Lord did feel that pain. Jesus came down. Jesus struggled on the cross. Jesus went through his passion. He felt this physical pain that we're feeling. It's part of the reason why Jesus had to come down. God needed to have that experience of what it's like to be in physical and in mental anguish as a human and Jesus was able to show God what that was like it's really powerful
0: yeah because he's experienced the same weakness or, you know, or the same like the same sufferings that we have faced and have had to you know live within like he lived as a human um, yeah like we know that he he has compassion on us, and that is so clear in this passage as well. Like, why would that man sit at the feet of the Lord and, like, ask, you know, beg Jesus to, you know, let him stay with him if he didn't feel the love and acceptance of God through him? I think, I think, remembering, you know, or, or meditating on just how, like, that man's reaction to Jesus after this incident, and then that he went and, like, he obeyed the Lord and, like, stayed in his area and proclaimed how much Jesus had done for him in that area, you know? That just shows that what he saw in the Lord is something real, and, like, and that's, I believe that's, that is just, like, the heart of God, and so he, you know, compassion, and so even... When we're struggling with mental illness, you know, we don't have to worry like that. God's gonna be thinking, "Oh, all this is wrong with you. <laughs> like, why are you? Why are you stuck on this? <laughs> why can't you understand?" <laughs> like, you know, He's a God of compassion.
1: Yeah, I th- I think what what um, uh, what you're saying there, Abby, is really right. And I think God is able to distinguish. Um, and uh, Catherine Green-McCray talks about this, that God is able to distinguish your illness from you, which I think we always have a hard time doing, right? Like those of us who deal with mental health issues, you just feel like it's so all-encompassing, like you can't escape it. Like this is just who I am. It's just my experience. And somehow God is able to separate that out of this man and say, I know this plagues your whole life, but I see you in it all. And so I feel like a weird tension there, right? Like as much as we look at our own experience and say, my entire life's experience is like tainted by mental health issues at the exact same time, somehow that's not in, that's not our true self. Like it's, it's real and it's, excruciating and yet there is this hope of you know ultimately the hope of resurrection the hope of new life i find that on the one hand like really encouraging and incredibly like oh so there will be like an end to it at some point but then on the other hand i find that like really strange because i'm like what am i like without mental illness <laughs> i don't know like i, I don't know it, it's it's really it's really interesting
0: Makes me think of C. S. Lewis (laughs) and things you know, about the like everything that'll fall off of us. Or I don't
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: I don't know it well enough to actually explain that, but
1: Yeah. Yep. No, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Christian podcast without referencing C. S. Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: There we go. Okay. Obligatory Lewis reference out of the way.
2: You Talk about uh, your joy for, or you talk about your suffering, Connor, and how you've suffered, and how that's just kind of become part of who you are with your mental illness. Uh, that that's in, that's important to have. Um, but uh, I I just googled the uh, verses about joy and suffering. The first one that came up was for, uh, James chapter one verses two through four. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I mean. It might suck. I, I can't sit here and say that mental illness is easy because I haven't experienced it. But it's it can be a blessing. It can be a chance for you to truly experience the beautiful saving power of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You can experience the Lord in a more full way than I can as someone who doesn't suffer with mental illness. I have never had the blessing to be able to trust in nothing but the Lord. Mm-hmm. I have always been at a point where I can somewhat trust in myself and I have fallen into that trap many times. But people with mental illness that use the Lord to defeat it are are able to understand the grace of the Lord in a way that is truly, truly powerful. In the book uh, by Catherine, Catherine Green McWright, she talks about how the Lord helped her through it and how she was really able to see what the heart of the Lord is truly like. She was able to see his true saving help and his true love for her and for humanity. And it's such a blessing for her because someone like me can't experience that. I don't want to say I'm jealous because I, I, I don't want to suffer in the way that people with mental illness have to suffer, but that it can turn into such a blessing for people with mental illness. You can experience that love in a way I, I will never have the, I might not have the blessing ever experienced.
1: I think that's a really wise way to view it. I mean, I can imagine your experience is probably similar, Abby, where you, you really wrestle through, you know, a depression or, you know, a time of anxiety or something like that. And somehow by God's grace, there is good that comes from it and you know you do what you can you obviously you take your medication um, you do your therapy appointments or you you do your various different kinds of techniques or exercises to try to like pull yourself back to reality a little bit but somehow in the midst of all of it god does something that only god can do and it, it's funny because like you know that that's true but then you just can't see it like almost every time it seems like you hit a moment of, Oh crap. I'm like in it right now. It's, it's so weird. Like it's so weird how it's so easily forgotten and yet how consistently God does bring good things out of it. And, um, and I really, I think what you were getting at earlier too, right? Abby, it testifies to like how God is willing to enter into like what you were saying, Noah, through Jesus, enter into human suffering and, you know, obviously he steps into it. He steps face to face with this guy.
0: You love
2: that. Yeah, I think we've given a minute to each verse now, which is just fantastic. <laughs> it, it's, it's insane sometimes that you can just get these short segments of scripture and you just talk about it. And there's so much more we could talk about with, this, with these verses of scripture. It's just such a very powerful story about mm-hmm. how the Lord does love you uh, and the Lord will meet you where you're at and the Lord will heal you. You just have to trust pray ask and take advantage of things that are provided to you uh, the lord may heal you through medicine that may be how he's going to do it he's done it before he'll do it again modern medicine can be used by the lord to be a blessing the lord will answer your prayer the lord will love you so any mm-hmm. other closing thoughts emmanuel whitewater slash connor or abby
0: well yeah like like, like you're saying you may, i mean he's not limited and who and what he will use in your life to bring healing and wholeness. And yeah, he's, I believe, at least in my own experience, you know, like God's brought, he's he's used so many things at the same, like that I haven't even noticed in the moment, but you know? The community, community has been huge in my life. Like your friends and, and, and like steps of faith and seeing God, provide provide and and take it also like when we open the door to him and when we ask for his help and keep trusting and um even when we're hurting that does just enrich our relationship with God in a way that I don't know if we would otherwise because we're coming back to him again and again and Mm. and he shows up and even if it's not exactly as we would expect but
1: I think that's a great note to end on. <laughs> I think you just ended exactly how the story ends, right? Proclaim what the Lord's done for you and how oh, God has met you in these places. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody for joining us for, well, not again, working out your salvation. Cause this is our new branding name or whatever. Thank you for our, for joining us on our first new episode of our new podcast, working out salvation.
2: Until next time.
1: Till next time. Thanks guys.